0: taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to this message. This is the Journey Church podcast. Our hope is that it leads you closer to Jesus and encourages you to live your life on mission for Him. For more information about our church and how you can get involved in what God is doing at Journey, please visit jrny.church
1: together one more time before we're seated. Before you're seated at all of our campuses, why don't you turn to somebody, chair right or left, and say, hey, it's good to sit by you. Happy New Year. I'm glad that I got to sit by you on this beginning of 2019. A new year is always; uh, it always brings so much potential. Also, I think uh, we should get ready because it feels like the years are just moving. Maybe that's just me; they're just moving. They go, they go, Christmas and Easter, and Christmas and Easter, and Christmas. And Easter, and so Easter's coming. We just had an amazing Christmas uh, season in our church, man. We had an awesome Christmas Eve experience. For, for me, it's the 10th one that we've done. Uh, it was one of my favorites. I love the theme of inviting people back into to a spiritual home, watching Jesus change and impact uh, their lives. And so, uh, usually, we preach in sermon series, but today we're going to do kind of a one off. I'm just going to speak to you from my, my heart. Uh, and then next week, we're going to start a, a, a sermon series called Living the Wow. I know the, the, the title kind of sounds cheesy. Uh, I actually got the title uh, from Can You Bring my, my High End Down Just a Tiny Bit? It's starting to ring out just a little bit too much for me, and I'm going to be annoying to you if it's annoying to me. And so uh, is that, that's better. And so, uh, but I actually got my motivation from a Starbucks cup. I know that you're not supposed to get a motivation from a Starbucks cup, especially if you're a Christian. And so, uh, but I was drinking out of a, a reusable Starbucks cup because I'm green like that, and it said, living the wow. And I was just like, that's that. Like for me as a 38 year old, like that's what I'm beginning to, to, to understand that life is moving extremely fast. And, and the Bible says that the days are evil. And what that means is uh, that, that if you're not careful, you're going to live with a lot of regret Bef- before you know what your life will be over. And I know it doesn't feel like it when you're super young. Uh, but for those of you who are now, I'm 38. Some of you are 48. Some of you, are not even going to talk about how old you are. I guarantee one of the things you say is, I can't believe this much time has passed. And so we're going to talk about regret. Uh, We're going to talk about taking advantage of the season. Some of you are in a season right now that you think is awful, and some of us are looking at you going, you should enjoy that. Like, if you're, you have little, little kids, you're going, I want to get out of this season maybe and have bigger kids. And I have li- bigger kids, and I'm, 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 I'm kind of, some of it I'm going, man, I should have enjoyed having little kids more because now my bigger kids, they're kind of annoying, and I thought they were going to be less annoying when they got bigger, but they're actually worse. And so, like, so I should have enjoyed that, and someday my kids are going to be out of my house, and I'm going, to, I'm going to, if I'm not careful, I'm going to kind of run through this phase, and then they're going to be older, and I'm going to just come back and break something. Just, just come back to my house and, and break something. So we're going to talk about just taking advantage of the time that God ha- has given you. Uh, but today, the title of my message is, is Foot the Bill. Foot, foot the Bill. How many of y'all were here on Christmas Eve? Remember the video we showed at Christmas Eve? How many of y'all were not here? You didn't see the video. You were at your parents' house, something like that. I, I want to show you this video again. Uh, it, in all of my years of doing church, t- to me, uh, I've never watched a video that I tear up consistently on. And I feel like it's, it's this, that powerful a video that I would like to show it to you just just one more time. I feel like like somebody missed it or somebody wasn't, wasn't here for it. And so can I just show you that this video one more time we showed at our Christmas Eve service and kind of build uh, from this? Can you guys go ahead and play that clip for me?
0: to me I, mean, I, I know it's been a long time since we talked I was, you know, was kind of hoping you'd answer but um, I understand you probably don't want to talk to me I've just gone so far and the things I've done I, I just regret it you know and I know how bad I've hurt you and let you down but but dad I miss you I miss how we drive around and just talk about life and I just I just want to come home but I know you've probably written me off I can't blame you actually here's 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 the thing it's kind of a shot in the dark but I'm uh I'm coming through town soon and. And I'd really just like to see you. I know I can't just show up at the front door like I used to, but. But if you want to see me, just hang a small sheet out on the porch. And if the sheet isn't there when I drive by, I'll keep going and. And I'll try not to bother you anymore. I love you, Dad.
1: And say, stop crying. That's the sixth time you've seen that video. I just every time I watch that video, it it does a couple things for me. First of all, it's a retelling of the prodigal son, which is a story that we focused on for for four weeks, and just the story that I think if you're a human, it it touches your heart. If that's the reflection of who God is through the retelling of the modern day retelling of the prodigal son, it just kind of grips you heart. But here's the other thing it does it makes me want that for other people. Like I think if I asked you, if, if you have a heartbeat and you're human and you're a follower of Christ, that most of us would probably say there's people in our lives that, that we want that experience. We want them to know the love of God like we know the love of God. We want to know them forgiveness and grace and that it's not too late for them. Like I think if I asked you, most of you would say yes, and if you don't, Uh, If that's not your desire, then I don't really know where you're planning on spending eternity because that's literally what you're going to be judged on when you get to heaven. I don't know that you're going to, you're not going to be judged on right or wrong. You're you're covered under the grace of God. But if you want to hear well done and good and faithful servant, then there's, there's an aspect where you understand that your your job as a faithful servant is to be the hands and feet of Christ, to share the message of Jesus Christ. And to quite honestly, my hope is that if you come here, that if that's not what you're about, that you don't really like being here because that's what I want to be about. I wanna be a church that that understands that that video, like that's just not an emotional gripping thing for us, but it's something that that drives us, which which leads me to the very end of the prodigal son. You know, we ended on the prodigal son, and we all like a happy ending. We like the, the reunion, we like the uh, everything working out, we 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 like the music fading in the back, we like all that stuff. But Jesus being Jesus, he doesn't stop the story there. He takes it one step further. Like you ever you ever been around something like that, like you just can't let it be? Like, just let, let this story be. Let it go. The sun comes home, party's going on, music fades in, you know, it fades to a circle, the lion uh, roars at the end, it's made by MGM Studios, movie's over. And Jesus does something different. In fact, the, the prodigal son is not a, really a story with a perfect ending. It's actually a warning. It's just not, it's not, it doesn't end with the perfect ending. It actually ends with a warning to us. I want to show you what the Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 15, verse number 20, 20, uh, of five. And you'll remember, son comes home, father gives him a ring, all this stuff, a calf, a robe, a sandals, parties going on. If you were here for the first uh, few weeks, you remember we introduced you to the beginning where it said that the, son, the father had two sons, an older and a younger. The younger one is the one that left, takes his inheritance, and comes home and unexpectedly receives from the father what he doesn't deserve. Meanwhile, the Bible says in verse number 25, Jesus is about to... to, to To fix this to say you know what let's 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 not end it right here let's give them a warning the bible says the older son was in the field when he came near the house he heard the music and dancing so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on your brother has come home he replied and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him safe uh, back safe and sound let's stop right there how much of a party pooper do you have to be to not get invited to the party there's a party going on. Everybody is there, right? The servants are there. Everybody's there. The only person that I believe is not invited to the party is the older son. Why? Because he's a party pooper. He's going to ruin the vibes. He's going to be mad about something. Like he's, he's a different bird. The Bible says that this is what, 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 what it says. The older brother becomes what? Becomes angry, and he refuses to go in. I'm not going to enjoy this, this problem. I don't agree with this. I hate the way you do church. I hate the methods that you use. People are coming home. I don't think it's right. I'm not coming to the party. Does God go, please come in? They just slam the door and they just keep having the party, the Bible says. Then the father goes out to him and says, please, man, come on, dude. Come on. Like, he pleads with them. But he answers his father. Look, all these years. All these years, this is a typical response from a religious person. All these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends, right? Even when, But when the son of yours who has squandered his pro- your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the biggest calf for him. My son, the father says, you've always been with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate And be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. So here's the thing. Who is the older brother? We know who the younger brother is. It's it's, it's us at some point, right? Like, we're far from Jesus. We come home. We receive Christ. Like, we we are the younger brother. But then something also happens. At some point, if we're not careful, we transfer to the older brother. And the older brother, at that time, when Jesus was talking is two people, really, it was the Jewish listeners who were angry about what he was saying. But it's also connected 2,000 years ago to the church people. They're mad because after all they've done, after all I've given, after all I've sacrificed, after all I've served, right? Man, when I started coming to Journey Church, you didn't even give me a mug. I got a CD, right? And it was printed on a CD duplicator in your office with a sticker on it. Hey, in fact, nine years ago when I came, you gave me an outdated Christian magazine that nobody wanted that you got for free to let me know that you're glad that I'm here. And now you roll out the red carpet for people. You you meet them in the parking lot. You give them a mug. If they come back again, you give them a T-shirt. And then you have a welcome to church night event where you give them food. You do all these things for these people. When I came, nobody even made a big deal about it. And plus, on top of that, man, last year, I literally served and sacrificed and gave and tithed and showed up early, and now you don't even talk to me when I come in here. There's no, none of of that is going on, and you just want me to come here, and you want me to make a big deal about somebody who's been off sinning for 2018, and now they're a big deal? So the question is, why is he so upset? Why so angry? What's wrong with you, bro? Why, why are you so mad? And, and I, I went back in the story because I've never really thought about this. Why is he so ticked off at this, this party? Because it's, it's not like, it's, not like it's, his, it's his father doing it. It's not like his father's even said, come and he invites him. He doesn't have to be there to have the, the party. And so then I went back to the beginning of the story. If you go back to Luke chapter 15, verse number 11, watch what it says. If we can just have a refresher. The Bible says, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. We're meeting the older son now. The younger son said to the father, father, give me my share of the inheritance. And what did he do? He divides the inheritance between the two. Now, we don't know if he divided it in half. Customary at that time was to give one-third to the younger son, two-thirds to the older son. He, he divided it. He gives a third or a half to the, to the younger son, and he saves the rest for the older son for the time when he would pass to give to him. So here's what God told me that I never noticed before. Why is he so mad? Because everything that's left in the father's possession was for him. And so when the younger son comes home and and the the father says, here's a ring, here's the robe, here's some sandals, here's the biggest calf. What he was doing is he was taken from the older son to reward the younger son. there There was a cost. And it was on the older son for the party. It just wasn't a party. It actually cost the older son. And then God told me, he said, that's why so many churches, so many church people, so many Christians, so many Christian organizations are failing to reach lost people because they don't understand that there's a cost to reach the lost. And the cost, oftentimes, it falls on the shoulders of us. I don't know if you ever hosted anybody before. But when you have a party at your house, it might last two hours. But here's my experience. If you're having a big group of people over at your house, let's say from, they're coming from seven and staying till nine. You got that one friend stays till 1130, doesn't know when to go home. But let's say the majority of the people, you guys are laughing because you know who that is in your, in your tribe, your circle. But let's say it's normal, two hours, two and a half hour party. How many of you know that it takes a lot more than two hours to get ready for it? I mean, in my house, we We're deep cleaning. My wife is setting up, I mean, she she we, we start at eight and we, we don't end until 12 o'clock on the next morning, right? Like it's, it's an all day thing for those two hours and, and it looks like a fun event and everybody wants them to have a good time, but the cost... Falls on somebody. And the truth is, if you want to have a church, all of us, I, I would pray. If, if, if you're not, then I don't know where you're at with God. But if you're a follower of Christ, your prayer should be, if you believe in hell and you believe in eternity, your prayer should be, God, reveal that to other people. God, I want that for other people. And God is saying, are you willing to pay the cost? There is 100% a cost to reaching the, the lost. And, and oftentimes what I have found as, as a church is we want the association and we want the accolades of, of church and following Christ, but the sacrifice, without a willingness to pay the cost. Like if I go back in church history, these men and these women, they, they paid deeply to share the love of God. They lost lives. They lost money. They, they sold land. Uh, they were beaten. They were ridiculed. You go back through the histories of, of church after the Bible was written. There's a book called The, the, Fo- the, the, the Fox's Book of Martyrs, and, 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 uh, and you can trace back the, the early church, the, the early movement of Protestantism, which if you don't know what that is, is basically when the, the church had an awakening where a man named Martin Luther said, listen, stuff's not right in the Catholic church, and we need to make some changes, and he started a revolution or a reformation, and they broke apart, and there was many Women over the last fifteen hundred years that have lost their life, and there's people that continue to lose their life. But in America, for the most part, when you talk to church people, there's not really the cost that we enjoy paying. We we rather just come to church. I, I've been I've been a dick. Sometimes I get on, on on kicks in YouTube, and the kick that I'm on right now is is a is a is a topic of videos called Stolen Valor. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a I'm not a I am not am not am not not ai was not in the army military anything like that. But the, the point of these movies uh, these 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 videos is people will dress up in, in, in army clothes and wear marine uniforms and Navy SEAL stuff that never fought, but they want the accolades. And then what happens is real soldiers find them and they pull up and they say, hey, tell me what that patch means on your, on your arm. And they're like, what? And all those colorful bars you got on there, you got that at Target. That's not, that's not, that's not real. You say you're a Navy SEAL. Yeah, Yeah, I'm a Navy SEAL. They say you're... Your record, your name is not in any of the records. And they pull up and they say, you want the accolades and you want the association and you want the discount on the meals, but you never made the sacrifice. And here's what I, here's what I don't want for our church. I don't want a church like that. I don't want to be a person like that. You see, there, there is a deep level. There has been a deep level over 10 years of cost that we have been willing to pay to reach lost people. And it's not going away. You, you might have to go away. But it's not. Like, we, that, that video, that is going to drive us forever. So, I just want you to kind of build with me the three costs that you need to be willing to pay. If you want to keep being part of a church that reaches lost, reaches lost people, and we will be that church. We can shrink, we can get bigger, we can do whatever, but we will be a church focused on lost people. We will lose saved people and church people to reach lost people. Are you with me? We will, we will keep uh, church people unhappy at the expense of making sure that, that lost people can continue to meet Christ. We, we will do whatever it takes. One of my favorite churches says, we will do anything short of sin to reach people far from Christ. That is our mentality at, at this church. We're gonna seek and save the lost. We're gonna be good at the one thing Jesus said to be good at. Are you with me today? You're either convicted or sleeping. We're going to wake this, this sleeping giant up, right? Let me just give you three costs. Number, number one is this, uh, and I want you to kind of understand this. This is, a, this is an important one. To, 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 to reach lost people, you got to be willing to pay what I would call the spiritual cost. There, there's a spiritual cost to, to, to reaching lost people. Let's just Let's just talk for a second. Uh, the last month, the, the holiday that we celebrate, is a holiday dedicated to consumerism. It, it just is. It's just the way that it is. Like, we can say it's not about. Not about that, 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 but we all, we fall into it. We watch commercials. We, we, we watch commercials with cars with ribbons on it. If you see the one commercial where a little boy was dreaming about a car since he was a little boy, and that's a dumb commercial. You don't dream about a car when you're a little boy, right? Like he dreamed about a car, check the window, check the window, check the window. Finally, the car is there. Every mes- message in commercials is this product will make you happy. This product, this company is all about you. And here's the mistake that we've made in churches. We have begun to t- teach people that. We began to teach people that the product that the church has is, is, a, is a product that is legitimately all about you. I studied this week, and I went and researched out the top-selling Christian books from 2018. Would you know not one of them was on Reaching Lost People? Not one. One. It was on your better life, improving yourself, uh, working yourself through fear, uh, 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 working yourself through anxiety, finding your spouse, having a better marriage, everything. Even in the messages that we preach, if we're not careful, we have preached and, and been driven by a consumeristic m- mentality. Everything tends to be about us, the favorite, our favorite church services. What are they? They're about us. Our favorite songs that we sing, they do something for us, the church that we pick. It's about... It's about us, and I'm, I can be right there with you. And we do this in almost every aspect of our lives. I, I was thinking, I used to work at a restaurant, and one place that we majorly act like consumers is a restaurant, am I right? Let me just give you an example of something that you and I have both done. You ever got seated in a restaurant, let's just say it's super busy, and you wait some minutes, and they seat you, right, and you're in, and you're in the thing, but it's not full, like there's some open tables left over. You ever been seated somewhere, sit down, and then call the waitress or the host back and say, what, what do you say? Can we move over there? I don't the air is blowing on my head right now. It's messing up my thing. Can we sit in a booth instead of a table? Because I really wanted to be in, in a booth. Can you move me to the other side of the restaurant? Because this family has some crazy kids. Well, my kids are crazy. Can you put me in the, the darkest corner that you have? You have a special room for my kids, a padded room. That would be that'd be great. Like you ever do that? Just beyond, anybody ever do like nobody in my church? You guys are liars, right? You just get sat, you eat, you never complain. If you are, you are, you are saints, but I can guarantee you somebody in this church is high maintenance. So we've done this before, but I've been on the other side, we work at a restaurant. And here's the thing about a restaurant that you might not understand, because you might just think, I just get to sit where I want and all that stuff. But the thing about a restaurant is everything runs with the process. So let's say a restaurant has 20 tables. They don't have one person to wait all 20 tables because we would complain about that. So what they do is they break those 20 tables up into something called sections, In every section, there's three or four tables. Some restaurants, five, depending how big they are. The best waiters or waitresses will have more tables. The ones that aren't experienced, well, they will keep it to three. And the reason they do that is because they want everybody that comes in to have good service. Everybody, not just you. And so they, they take care of them. They have a host, and the host goes in order and says, you get a table, and you get a table. And she's like, Oprah, and you get a table. And you, or he, it can be a he, you get a table. That was my first job, a host, you get a table. And the reason they do that is because waiters, here's a newsflash, they only make like $1.50 an hour or something like that, 2 dollars something like that. And so they, they split them all up so that everybody has a chance to make some money off, off customers that come in. And so when we say, hey, I don't want to sit in this chair, we mess up everything without even knowing it. Everybody gets worse service. Everybody's food is colder. You have, you have, you have a, a, a wait staff in the back. They're in the weeds. If you never worked in a restaurant, you know when somebody's in the weeds. They look like they're in the weeds, right? Like I always tell people on my staff, especially Piper, because she is always busting that video. I say, you in the weeds, Piper? You in the weeds. Like there's people in the weeds. And here's the thing. We just sit down. We go. The waiter beside you just got double sat. The other one has nobody, but because you wanted to move sections, everybody else is, is messed up. And meanwhile, you're mad. And, and this is this we live most of our life like that without a care in the world of anybody else. And here's the problem with, with, with when you turn church into that you become a customer. And when you become a customer of a church, here's the problem one, you will never stay at a church because customers you have to keep happy. And two, eventually you walk away from your faith. Because consumers don't equal Christians. We have a saying in our church. It goes like this. We are, we are what? We are contributors, not what? Consumers. That's, that's, that's on purpose. We believe that contributors actually equals Christians. That, that we contribute wherever we go. In fact, I love what Paul says about this being willing to pay the cost. He, he talks about a young man named Timothy in Philippians chapter 2. And this is what he says. He says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon. Uh, and here's what he says: that I may also be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him. He says, "Watch what he says: who will show genuine concern for who? For others' welfare. Watch what he says about most people: for everyone, for everyone. He's talking about church people. Looks out for their own interests, not for those of Jesus Christ. I think that's a that's a that's a dawning heavy Bible verse. I feel like I, I would want God to say that about Journey. So we 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 send journey church to this world because we don't have a whole lot of churches like journey churches it's not that we're better or more organized or have better worship or better preaching but we were filled with selfless people see i want to send this church into the world because this church actually has people who care about others concerns and needs unlike most of the world and when he's talking about the world he's not talking about the world he's talking about the world the church world who for most of what we do, our spiritual life is anchored and built and centered uh, uh, around us. And let me just tell you how you know you're a spiritual contributor or consumer. Just, just so you know. Like if you come to church here today uh, and you come maybe once a month or twice a month and, and you drink a cup of coffee that you didn't show up early here to make or pay for because you don't give any money and you don't serve because you're too busy. Like I think that's always funny when you tell people you're walking by you're too busy. Like they're not busy. Like you're too busy and you don't watch, you don't help with kids because you're with them all week. So you torture somebody else with your kids and then you go pick them up and you take a craft that somebody else prepared that somebody took home and cut out for you. And then you throw it in the garbage on the way out because you have a million crafts. And you get in your car and do that every week. You are a contributor. Some of you, you're working towards it in 2018. You started coming like twice a month. Every once in a while when you have extra money, you give. You have extra time. You might serve. You might show up. You might block out for six months. You might not. Like You're working towards it, but there's people in the church that you absolutely get it. You get up early, you stay late, you serve, you give up your time, you give up money, you, you do things that, that contributors do, and you are the ones that are making this church function, and you are being willing to pay the cost. And my, my concern is that, that, that the number of people that come to our church, that the number of people that are contributing, that that number is getting farther and farther apart, because in the most churches, 10% of the people do 90% of the work, but not at Journey Church. You're not allowed to be like that here. You're just not. You're not allowed to come in here and, and just sit. I won't let you get to heaven someday and here depart from me because I never knew you. you say, I went to church. And he's gonna go, what is that? Church was you made up. Church, for me, was a calling. Church is something you're a part of. Church is a movement of people. Church is people who are contributing, not consuming. There's a spiritual, spiritual cost. Let me give you just two more quickly. There's a physical cost. There is a, absolutely a physical cost to reaching lost people. It takes energy. It takes time. It takes prayer, it takes worship, it takes sacrifice, it it, it takes giving more than you want to give sometimes. It takes giving up your time and and, and your energy. It takes coming and playing hurt and and, and coming sometimes when you're you're sick and pushing your kids when they are a little tired from Saturday adventures and say, we're going to church today and waking up on Sunday morning. It takes more than some of us want to pay, but there is a physical cost. And here is my fear from my own life. The things that I complain about that are so hard, I think sometimes I'm going to get to heaven and they're going to go, really? Like, I want to be able to look Paul in the eye someday. And if you don't know who Paul is, Paul's a missionary. Paul paid the cost to reach the loss. And Peter, he paid the cost to reach the loss. And Mark and John and all. I want to look them in the eye someday. And I want to be able to stand up tall and say, I did the same things that you did in my time. I paid the same price. I gave the same. I was living in America. I might have been blessed and lucky. But when I felt like it was a struggle and when I felt like it was a sacrifice, I remember the things that you did and I said, this is easy peasy right here. Like I want to I get to heaven someday and I put my notes, I want to be out of breath. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if you, if you know this or not. I feel like for most of us, what I would call planet fitness Christians, I go planet fitness. They put, they put donuts and, and bagels and pizza in a place you're supposed to work out in. That should tell you everything. It's 10 bucks. I get it. Why do you look the same as you looked last year? Because you go to Planet Fitness, and when you're surrounded by people at Planet Fitness, doing the elliptical, you know how I feel about the elliptical, all that stuff. You can go front. You can go back. That's not a workout. And so the elliptical and stuff. If you walk out of the gym, and I've been guilty of this, and you ain't sweaty, have you worked? You're like, whew, I'm sore putting up those, those 15 pound weights, right? Like you're really pushing it. This week I watched this bodybuilding documentary on Ronnie Coleman. He's, he was a monster. Eight time Mr. Olympia. And it was following his life now because he started winning in 1999, I believe or 2000, he won eight times in a row, the greatest bodybuilder in the history of the world. And, and, and they showed him now, and he can hardly walk. Like he, he, he's needed all sorts. He, he, he lifted so much weight and he was so committed to exercising that now in this day, it affects his quality of life. Like he put so much work into it. And for me, when I started thinking about it, like, I want to be there when I, I want, I want my faith to have affected my quality of life on this side of eternity. I, I just do. I don't want to be a planet fitness Christian. I don't want to get to heaven and be like, whoo, you were torn apart by lines, man, I went to church three times a week or a month. It was so hard. My kids, they didn't play travel team sports. I really made a sacrifice. You sold land. That's fine. I gave 3%. Like, I don't want to be, I want to get there and be like, yo, what's up, bro? I want to be part of the Faith Hall of Fame. I want to be one of the great cloud of witnesses that is cheering down. You can do it. But I don't want to say you can do it because everybody else is saying you can do it. I want to say you can do it because I did it. I want to be the type of church that affects and changes history. I want them to say we passed the baton off to you and you did what we did. And then you pass it off when you were done so that somebody else can do it. There is a physical cost to pay. In fact, Paul tells us what he paid. Watch this. 2 Corinthians 11. He says five times. I received from the Jews 40 whippings. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, bandits, my fellow Jews, Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone, often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the churches that I have started. My my life, it it costs me something. The Bible says to pick up your cross and follow Christ. That's a costly Bible verse. So there's a spiritual cost. There's a physical cost. And the last one. I believe for churches that want to keep reaching Christ and people for Christ, there's a, what I'll call an emotional cost. Can I tell you what, what I've noticed happens to, to churches? If you're not careful, uh, we turn church, all of us, into this club where, where we, we do life with people, we eat with people, we laugh with people, we have babies at the same time of other people, we raise our kids together, and we have this kind of concept of church, which is not wrong or right, it's just kind of what happens is where most of what we do is is this tight-knit community. And emotionally, it starts to feel good because you have friends, you're living life together, you're unified, your kids are kind of on the same path together, you're raising them the same way, and it feels like it's the way that it's supposed to be. And then something happens in churches oftentimes. The, The older that they get, the less friends that you have out in the world, the more friends you have in church, the less time you have because you spend all your time with them, and oftentimes, the less people that you reach for Christ. Studies even suggest that. It says churches under five years, they, they, they reach an astronomical amount of people for Christ. Five to 15 years kind of slows down. By 15 years, you might as well close the church down. And we're not far from 15 years. One of the most interesting things, I'm going to give you a little pastoral insight that we realized over this last year. So we keep track of salvations. We keep track of first and second time guests. We keep track of everything. That's how we know what's going on numbers don't don't lie if you get on the scale you know it says you're overweight you're overweight you're not big boned right like it's just not it's just not the way it is right and so like like we we keep track we, we follow the ebb and flows of our year we are what we are right and so we did home groups this last this last fall they, they were amazing the most successful home groups that we have had in the history of our church we had more people in groups. We decided to prolong them. So we started in September. We ended in the beginning of December. We put lots more work into it. We did, we did all these things. And, and stuff worked out great, except for two really important areas of our church. Money was fine. Attendance was fine. People were coming. People were, I mean, I, I talked to people over and over and over again. I said, how's home? You said, They're amazing. I made new friends, all this stuff. But then we kept track of two things that are really significant to our church. Up to that point, we were seeing a record number of salvations in our church. And then for those 12 weeks, that's, that came to a screeching halt. It was the weirdest thing. And, and then another thing that was really weird, we had visitors week in and week out. You know, if we track our visitors for that, that quarter of the year, those, those 12 weeks, the, the lowest uh, number of visitors that we had for, for the, in 2018, guess, when, guess where they landed? Between the weeks of home groups. It was the most bizarre thing that i that i have seen and i thought to myself well is it because that we enjoy so much of of, of our time being together that that maybe here's what i thought maybe maybe if satan can can get us to be together i wrote some notes, maybe if he can get us to keep in tight he knows that oftentimes when he keeps us in tight as a church that the result is that we have no time to invite you got nobody to invite I say, bring your lost friends. You're like, what lost friends? All my friends come to church. I don't, they're kind of lost, but they come. Like, seek and save. I don't have any. I don't even have any. What time? I'm at church. I got home group. I got worship practice. I do this ministry. What time do you have? And I thought to myself, and here, here's what happens. Because of that, we tend to just get comfortable to want to play that holy huddle. Us four and no more. Here's the thing about a holy a huddle. We're, we're going we're to see this today. The egos are going to huddle up. And the bears are going to be behind them. And when they huddle up, the reason they don't just, hey, call the play out. Hey, throwing a pass to you, Alshon. Run long. The reason they don't call the play like that is because everybody on the bear side is doing what? Hey, he's throwing a pass to Alshon. It's going long. Stand there. So they get together and they gather together and they say, huddle. And they go. And the huddle was meant to do what? Keep people out keep everybody in. And I thought to myself, and this is what happens. Churches become a huddle instead of what it would call a hub. Home groups aren't the problem. But emotionally, when we have a home group, we should be fully aware. Who are we inviting to our home group where we can connect them to the mission of Jesus Christ? You see, Christian community should be built on Christ's calling. It just should. And I, I get it. I get it because the thing about it, I don't really like to invite new people into my life either. We went out for Christmas Eve, and uh, most of the people there I, I, I knew. And there's one guy that I've just gotten to know over the past few months that comes to church here, really, really nice guy, but never really met him before, never talked with him. And so we were in, this, we were in the table. And for me, just going to talk to you like, like a normal person, if I know everybody there and we just did praise probably worked all day, right, and everybody's there and we're having a good time, and I don't got to, like, be Pastor Steve. I can be, like, Steve, Steve. They're, they're, they're kind of the same, maybe a little bit, little bit, little bit different, right? I wanted to be Steve Steve and then all the tables were, were taken. I ended up at the at the end of the table, and there was one seat left over, and I was like, who's coming? They're like, oh, so-and-so's coming. I'm like, who's that? And they explained. I'm like, oh yeah. And then in my heart, I was like, oh man. Because now I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to talk to somebody new, and I don't really want to talk to somebody new right now. I just wanted to enjoy my burger at Red Robin. And God said, You're an idiot. I don't care that you worked all day. I don't care that you're tired. I don't care that you don't want to meet anybody new. I don't care that you want to be off. He's like, talk to Paul who was in prison. Like, Just shut your mouth and be nice and ask questions. And I got to tell you, I talked to him for for almost an hour at the thing and asked questions and talked to me about triathlons and all sorts of other stuff and let me know he was from Miami. And I said, what are you doing in Phoenixville? Are you crazy? Like what happened to you? And so one go to Miami and all that stuff. And like live in La Vida Loca down there, all that stuff, right? And like, I had a good time meeting him but my 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 carnal thing and that's i think that's what happens we get all these people in our lives and i say, let's reach the lost and we're like it's uncomfortable and emotional i don't feel like doing it i don't want to welcome somebody new into my house i already got my group i already got my people and here's the problem if your group is just your group then your group has no point in being on this earth anymore if, you're, if your reason for being on this earth in a temporary is simply to live a temporary life, then I don't think you're really planning on spending forever in eternity. Because if you have a perspective of eternity, you will fully understand that the only reason that you are still here, the only reason you are part of this church is we are supposed to seek and save the lost. We oftentimes say life is a marathon. I would argue and say life is a sprint. You see, we, com- we compare it to temporary, so life feels long. But if you compare it to eternity, life is short. It's a sprint. Our time is, is ticking away. We're going to get 51 more Sundays this year. How many Sundays are you going to waste? How many Sundays are you going to stay home? How many Sundays are you going to find an excuse? How many Sundays are you not going to put God first? How many Sundays? How many more years are you going to waste? How many more moments you going to miss? How many, many more conversations are you not going to have? How many more family members are still going to be going to hell at the end of 2019? How many more coworkers are still not going to know that you are a follower of Christ, but they do know what your favorite beer is and where you like to hang out on Saturday night? How many more? How many more of your friends are going to know about your essential oils and everything else that we sell and not going to know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? How many more? And I'm not picking on essential oils. We can do yoga, Zumba, whatever else you want to do. Whatever else we do with our life, how many more people are going to know more about your personal life than they are about your personal Savior? I, I want to know. And I'm preaching to myself. See, see time is, is short. It's short. There, there's a sprint. I, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear, man, you kept your church. You didn't make it a decade. Because Sometimes it feels like, whew. That decade was hard can we just relax for a couple minutes God and God said there's still work to be done there's still people to be reached there's still lives to be changed there's still a cost to be paid there's a spiritual cost there's an emotional cost there's a physical cost are you willing to pay it there's a cost to reach the loss would you stand up with me all over this house would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes and would you get ready to consecrate yourself that means to set yourself apart to get yourself ready to do the work that God has called and created you to do. Listen, if you're a father of Jesus Christ, this is why you're here. It's no, it's not optional. It's not the professional's job. Your, your, your life can literally, physically, spiritually, emotionally change this world forever. It can And if God didn't want to use you, he would bring you home. But he wants to use your life in ways that you cannot imagine. Here's the thing. Are you willing to pay the cost will you be uncomfortable this year will you step outside would you have a conversation that you should have been having a long time ago would you use your sphere of influence to influence people for the kingdom of god would you allow your social media to speak the truth of the gospel would you allow god to work through your family's life so what a selfish perspective many of us have that it, that my family is number one and i'm going to put my family first and here's the thing about it that's not what the bible says to seek first God's kingdom. That means your family seeks God's kingdom first. Maybe for you, it's just simply saying, you know what, on Sundays, me and my family, for me and my family, this day, we're gonna worship God together every Sunday. We're gonna be in God's house. Maybe for some of you, it's say, you know what? I haven't stepped out in faith in my finances and I'm gonna put God first in my finances. Some of you, it's a conversation that you need to have right now. You need to get on the phone and say, next week I'm going to church and I would love to have you with me. And some of you, somebody's going to say no and you're going to call them up the next week and the next week and the next week because you are not going to get to heaven someday and have a friend tell you, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you open up your mouth? I was afraid. I was, I was fearful. I was worried. I didn't want you to think I was weird. At the expense of eternity away from him. Let's pay the cost this year. Let's go all in. Let's be the church that God intended us to be when he started us. Let's put it all on the line. The bigger we get, the more costly it is to gamble for Jesus Christ, to be big, faith-filled thinkers. But let's be a church that gambles it all, that puts it all on the line to reach lost people. If you're here right now, and as we get ready to close, and we are praying together as a church, this Sunday is not, no different than last Sunday, and it will no, be no different than the next Sunday. Every Sunday, we give people the chance to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we believe when we, we, when we come into these rooms, there's nothing, nothing profoundly impactful about these rooms, but when God's people show up, the Bible says that we're two or more gathered in his name, that he shows up. And I believe powerful life-changing things happen in the presence of God. I've seen seen him do it week in and week out for the last 10 years of my life, and I know that this Sunday is no different. There's somebody sitting in our rooms that you're now standing, your eyes are closed, your head is bowed, and you're wondering if if this year is gonna be any different than last year. Maybe you came to church today to, to attempt to get your life right and to fix what you've messed up and maybe you come into 2018 with a lot of regret and shame and condemnation and here's the message you need to understand this is the message we built our life on as followers of Christ that there is no condemnation there is no shame for those who are found in Christ Jesus what does that mean it means I'm not a good person I'm not a religious person I'm a saved person The gospel of jesus christ saved me and rescued me that he forgave my sins that he set my feet on solid ground that he gave me hope where i was hopeless that he gave me a future where i felt empty now jesus is here right now this is his house this is his time this is his church and we pray that he would have his way not only in our lives but in your life and he's knocking at the door of your heart friend See, what's going to change 2019 is not, it's not a new year. It's Jesus. He makes you a new creation. He says, behold, the old is gone and a new day has come. So as we get ready to leave and head out into this year, I believe there's people in our houses that this, this year, you, you've come here with some hope today. You've come here with some baggage. You've come here with some shame. You've, you've come here, man, just saying, man, if God is real, would you meet me here? I, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to turn to church and see if this whole church thing is, is right. And man, God loves you more than you can imagine. And he is knocking at the door of your heart. And the Bible says, if you would just let him in. And maybe you don't know what that means. The Bible says, if you would just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. That you would give him your life. And he would take you just like you are. But he's not going to leave you like that he's gonna clean you up he's gonna set your feet on solid ground and he's gonna to begin to walk with you both day and, and night you're gonna learn how to get rid of anxiety and fear because you're gonna have a relationship with a God that you can trust that is all-powerful all-knowing and in control but you can't have him unless you take him his arms are outstretched to you right now and in these moments with nobody looking around there's somebody at the front of each one of our campuses we simply say if that's you If you're here in venusville if you're watching other campuses and you're say you're ready to say jesus come into my life I'm going to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, and I'm not going to ask you to pray with me. I want to pray over you. I just want you to simply say with, with, your, with your hand in a second, that's me. And when, when, you, when you say that's me, I just want you to shoot your hand straight in the air. And as you do that, we're going to begin to pray together that Jesus will come into your life. So if you're here right now, if you're Plymouth meeting, Limerick, Royersford, you're watching online, you say, 2019, I'm going to start it off by giving my life to Christ. I'm going to give my life to Christ right now. If that's you, would you simply just slip your hand up in the air all over our house as I see one hand right here. Yes, is there anybody else? That's why we do what we do, church. That's why we do what we do. Show up week in and week out so that the lost can be found and that the broken can be made whole. Is there anybody else? Say, hey, pastor, that's me. I'm here for a reason today, and that reason is to get my life right with God through his son, Jesus Christ anybody else let's begin to pray jesus thank you for this day the bible says this is the day the lord has made and as a church we rejoice and be glad in it we are grateful and honored that we get to be a place that shares and proclaims the love of jesus christ and jesus you're here right now in a very real way at all of our campuses lord you're moving in people's lives Lord, they came into this place and maybe they were convinced time was out, life was over, too much brokenness, too much hopeless. And Jesus, right now, you are doing what only you could do. You're setting somebody free. You have seek and saved the lost today. And Lord, we are grateful that we get to be a church that is on mission to do and accomplish what you've called us to accomplish, Lord. As we leave this place, Lord, 2019 is going to be a year unlike any year. Lord, we are going to seek people with the tenacity Lord, everything we think about, everything we do, Lord, we are going to be unified under the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we start a new campus, as we make moves for your kingdom, as we take big steps of faith, Lord, you're going to accomplish more than we can imagine. You're going to reach more people than we can imagine. There is still more work to be done. Lord, we are a church that is willing. We say that right now to you. We are willing to pay the cost to reach the lost. Lord, that's what we do at this church. Jesus, thank you. I pray that you have been glorified and magnified from the beginning to the end. In your name we pray, Jesus Christ. Church, would you shout amen? Come on, let's clap together. Let's clap with the person in Limerick who decided to follow Christ today.